We all love learning about cool science discoveries. That's why we do this show, right? And some of my favorite stories are about the scientists behind the research. And as many of our guests have told us, it's not always so easy. You don't always find what you're looking for. And that big discovery, well, it might just be hidden under a pile of little failures. But failure can also be motivational. Sci-Fi Digital producer Emma Gomez spoke with six scientists who shared their proudest accomplishments and some spectacular flops, all published in a limited-run newsletter called Sincerely Science. And today she brings us a story of transparency from one of those scientists, Dr. Rachel Lupian. Here's Emma. Dr. Rachel Lupian is an assistant professor of geoscience at Aarhus University in Denmark. But before that, she was an undergrad, PhD student, and postdoctoral researcher, building mentorship networks and learning from her peers. Now that she's a professor, Rachel makes it a point to be honest about the challenges she still runs into. She hopes that other scientists can learn from them. That includes sharing a story that she admits was pretty embarrassing at the time. It starts when she and her team were looking to publish their findings about a sudden climate shift in East Africa a couple of hundred thousand years ago. It's the kind of research, she says, is important to understand early human evolution, adaptation, and dispersal. Paleoclimatology is the study of climate in the past. Um, it's just a fancy word um, for that. So that could be um, in the past 100 years. It could be in the past 1,000 years. It could be in the past uh, 1 billion years. So um, I typically study uh, paleoclimate um, over the last maybe a few millions of years. That's the sort of time scale that I'm thinking about. And most of my work has been um, to reconstruct the past climate of Africa. In this paper, specifically East Africa, um, a lot of my work is motivated by understanding how climate drove and influenced hominin evolution. So our, hum our early human ancestors were certainly um, influenced by the environments and the climates that they were living in. Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of bringing that climate, that paleoclimate perspective to reconstruct what their world may have looked like in, um, in different areas and at different time periods. You told me that this paper, before it was published, was actually rejected from five journals. <laughs> so <laughs> talk to me about what that was like and, and why these things happen. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, it did. It, it is now finally published in its sixth journal. Um, and it's, it brings back sort of some tough memories, but um, it went through review at a fairly high impact journal um, and did okay there, but ultimately got rejected. And then um, what we call desk reject, where the editor just doesn't even send it out review for review, that happened a few times afterwards. And we were just going down and down sort of in the impact of, of journals. Um, and it was, it, I think it was especially tough because it was with such a big team. It was such a group effort, this, um, this specific paper, because we were um, drawing on, on data and locations um, from, a, from a few different projects. So there were a lot of people involved. So every single time this happened, I had to be the one, the lead author, I had to be the one to email everyone and say, unfortunately, this time it was once again rejected. But I think it's really important to show that it happens all the time. And so that's a perfect transition to my next question, which was you you shared that information on Twitter. So why did you decide to do that? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Do I regret it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I shared it on Twitter mainly because well, first of all, I like to share, and a lot of people do this now, um, sort of a few tweets per um, publication to share the findings, the figures um, that you worked many, many hours on using social media to share your scientific conclusions. Um, but then, yeah, at the end of this Twitter thread, I put that um, sort of what happened. And I felt especially confident doing that because I, again, believed sort of in the rigor of this study, but I thought it was super important to share. Um, a lot of people sort of in my career stage, I'm a first year assistant professor. I was a postdoc at the time um, that this happened. It's a really sort of sensitive time. Um, you're, you're starting to write proposals. You're trying to get these papers out. And there's, um, there's a lot of sort of good news shared online, people accepting jobs and things like that. But it really is important to keep in mind that this happens to everyone. And so I think when you understand that, that this happens all the time, it's not just you then it helps you that much more to sort of persevere and continue um, on your path. Yeah, that's really important. And so what was the response to that tweet like? Um, it was generally really positive. Um, I actually had a friend who's a teacher at a small liberal arts college um, use that thread as a way of, as an example of science communication and that sort of thing. People also commented on it saying, like publicly on Twitter, saying that that's happened to them, um, which was really nice. Um, I did have some negative um, sort of consequences from it. Uh, Things probably that wouldn't have been shared publicly, but I got an, I received an email from someone who didn't agree with the study and has a long history of um, work in the region, so is quite knowledgeable about the about the study and everything. That was a little tough to handle, um, just sort of um, a typical consequence, I think, of putting yourself out there. Yeah, totally. And so, to you, what? are the benefits of being transparent about the full process, like the rejections and also when you get accepted, like that full process of making science? Yeah. I mean, I like to think that I'm um, I'm a confident person. I'm a I'm a particularly privileged person in um, in my background and in my position now as an assistant professor. So on paper, I sort of have a good CV. Um, you know, I did a postdoc. I got that permanent position that a lot of people are after. And so I felt like I could kind of take one for the team. I could <laughs> put myself out there, um, show show um, a weakness or a, a failure, if you will. Um, everyone says that rejection is a part of the job, but it doesn't make it easier to experience. It makes you feel like crap. It makes you feel like you aren't smart enough that you don't belong in, in the field, in the position um, that people have put trust in you that, that perhaps they shouldn't have. But that is so false, especially because everyone feels like that at a given time. So I think the, the further along in your career, the, the better you are at coping with it because you learn how you are able to um, how, what makes the most sense for you in terms of how how to deal with the feeling? So, for instance, when I get a paper rejection, I open the email and I don't even read the reviews until the next day until I'm you know ready for that. So that's something that 
that puts a little bit of space between me and the um, initial reaction. So that's that's a good way of coping with it. I mean, really talking about it is it, it makes me feel better. And I think it makes other other people feel better as well. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was a real pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much, Emma. Thanks to Sci Fry's Emma Gomez for bringing us that story. And you can subscribe to Sincerely Science Newsletter, yes, and read how telling scientist stories can improve the way we do science. You can do that by heading over to sciencefriday.com slash sincerely science. sciencefriday.com slash sincerely science. 